Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Any of those Garth Crooks gets is fully deserved. Oh, he's, a guy. he's an absolute cretin. <laughs> yeah. He's an imbecile, isn't he? The Squareball Podcast. To buy the Squareball magazine, get back issues and podcasts, visit thesquareball.net. In this special happy edition of the Squareball podcast, we look back at a fortnight that saw the podcast curse lifted over the club. We did more damage to Davros Redknapp's face. We reminisce about our happiest times following Leeds. And we learned how much Jesus loves us. Hello to you. Welcome to the Square Ball Podcast. I'm Dan Moylan and welcome to this all singing, all dancing, happy edition of the podcast, which we're doing after accusations of a depressing feel to the previous podcast off the back of a couple of bad results. Uh, so we've returned, smashed off our faces on Prozac, Pro Plus, and we've got the Haribo here as well, determined to blot out the heartache and misery of being a Leeds United fan. And we've got our, uh, our regular lineup of happy campers in the studio. Uh, if I was Frodo Baggins, he would be my Samwise Gamgee, Michael Normanson, fellow editor of the Square Ball magazine. Hi there. Uh, Daniel Chapman, better known as Moscow White. Hi. And Paul O'Dowd, who goes by the moniker of Oddie on the Square Ball. Hi there. Uh, hello and welcome along to you. Uh, Going to start off with a very happy uh, note, first of all, and say thank you to you for downloading it as well. We've uh, we've hit the top 40 of the iTunes sports chart uh, in some fairly illustrious company, I see, as well. So uh, thank you for downloading it. We're approaching Gabby Logan at a, a rate of... Um well, it doesn't matter how fast, because we're going to dismantle her. <laughs> we're coming up behind her quite quickly. We are, with a <laughs> cosh in hand, and um, I heard a bit of her... Did, you say, so did you say cosh? Cosh, oh, right, yes. <laughs> I heard a bit of her World Cup guide and it was woeful. The woeful cup guide. Um, so don't download anything that the BBC produces if they're going to continue with that standard. Mm. Listen to the Squareball podcast. Yeah, we're coming for you, Logan. You and your dancing husband. Anyone anymore? Not that I can say out loud. You say you're blonde <laughs> bastard. <laughs> 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 Uh, don't forget if you want to get in touch with us you can do podcast at thesquareball.net via email and you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter right we'll skip uh, merrily straight into part number one which is white watching a look back at the last fortnight's uh, Leeds United matches Um, just to quickly run through the games we've had since the last podcast last one came out on the eve of the Carlisle match in the JPT obviously lost that one 2-1 on to Saturday the 23rd Spurs 2-all FA Cup game then we went uh, down to the southwest, down to Swindon, lost 3-0, of course, and then back to winning ways on Saturday against Colchester at home. Where do we want to start? Colchester. Yeah. We won. So that's so everything's all right. It's been a, a fortnight of uh, heart against head and deep analysis with everybody getting very worried about being in um, all these top-level cup competitions and trying to maintain a, a league campaign at the same time. But then sod it, because we've won, so we're clearly going to walk the division by... Can we win it by March? Yeah. Not win it. Could go up, maybe. You know. <laughs> Let's not get carried away. 
And we've broken the podcast hoodoo of not winning a game since we've started this malarkey. Was that right? Yeah. Yeah. Have we cursed it? We came in after the Man U game oh, and I, ruined I, it all. Yeah. A oh. few people brought it up. The, the guilt was becoming difficult to bear. I'm glad that you were blissfully unaware because <laughs> yeah. you might, might not have come today. Well, yeah, I might have just driven the car off the M1 coming back north today and smashed it into a ditch. Um, we're not to blame. Gabby Logan is to blame. <laughs> So Saturday then, Leeds to Colchester Nose, we mentioned. Uh, Beckford getting them both. Uh, second one practically went in off his arse, didn't it? Yeah, it was, neither of them were exactly classics. Another, another penalty, which given that we we don't normally score them, to get to get um, two in the space for a couple of weeks is a, a miracle, frankly. I think everyone, against Spurs, everyone thought he'd miss, and then having scored one, I, I thought almost 100% he'd miss this one. But um, yeah, he's put it away again. I've I've got to say because I saw the Spurs game on the telly that when he um, when he stepped up and he did that sharp intake of breath I thought his no, ass no. is gone <laughs> he's gone I thought he did quite a nice little face actually when he when he kicked the ball it was he, he kind of did a little pout when he kicked the ball as in like have that <laughs> it's like, it's like <laughs> maybe pout's the wrong word you know possibly <laughs> like like his sex face <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a <laughs> the face uh, Moscow does behind Gabby Logan possibly. <laughs> Good solid home win one. It's the sort of thing we've been doing all season, and we needed to get back to doing it. It was. It felt like a nice return to the the kind of dull uh, wins of earlier in the season. Really, after we've had a bit of a awful month in some ways. Well, in the league certainly. Um, months of unpredictable performances. Then we. This is how we were at the start. Just steady wins. They never looked really threatening. Um, and yeah, it's just just a nice comfortable one. And the worst referee in history. Oh, has he surpassed the one from from Stockport? Was it? Possibly, yeah. It was probably on a par with him. Um, ridiculous in slightly different ways. Why'd you say that then, Oddie? Just petty. Short. Short. Very Obviously short. got a whistle for Christmas. Why do people become referees? Is it to be like this? Because he's short. Yeah. Little yeah. man syndrome. I, I think, think the cops summed it up with the chant that this game's too big for you. In more ways than one. <laughs> yeah. There's also a chant of small little bastard as well around. <laughs> which I... I no, small little wanker it was. All right. So I, I don't know if he has little wanks. <laughs> Uncomplicated abuse. <laughs> They're the best. You can't beat it. So that's 2-0. Uh, obviously the other massive highlight of the fortnight, Spurs game. How good was that? Well, how good was the 96th minute in Fergie time? How drunk were you, um, Michael? I was all right, actually. I, I went fairly... Fairly steady. Um, so I can remember Just the one well. bottle of vodka this time on I the can, train. I can remember it quite well, actually, so... Um, you yeah, see the TV highlights afterwards. I'm going to say the first twenty minutes, I thought we were going to get absolutely battered because they they did have a lot of chances. Cast made a few saves. Then the penalty miss seemed to change the game. Really, after that, we came into it. But yeah, we have to say twenty first twenty minutes aside, we gave a really good account of ourselves. But that that was to be expected, wasn't it? With the you know the attacking the attacking lineup they had and the way they went about it, they could have just ripped us apart. It was to be expected. The first 20 minutes were just, ah, this is what we should have had at Old Trafford. But Ankergren, he's got his knockers, as you can see in the new issue of the square ball. But he's, I think if we had a player of the fortnight, Ankergren would probably be it for that performance. He was good again against Colchester, the only player who turned up at Swindon, by all accounts. And um, we've got a thing now where Higgs coming back doesn't seem like that big a deal. Obviously, we'll have a game where there's a couple of crosses going and he flaps at them both and, and we're on his back again. But Tottenham on the telly, he's absolutely fine. 
I was thinking about this. I almost wondered if he is better when he's got lots to do. And whereas mm. when we're at, when we're on top in games, if he'll come for crosses, just I don't know, maybe he's out, nodded of, off. out of boredom or something, and he'll just think, <laughs> oh, I've not touched it in a while. I'm going to come yeah. for this regardless. Well, he does more gymnastics than any goalkeeper I've ever seen. He does. When he's fond of keeping warm. <laughs> yeah, well, done. perhaps it's not keeping warm. Perhaps he just needs to occupy his mind because <laughs> he does do some weird stuff that. If you if the game's boring and up the other end, you can just watch Casper mincing around the penalty area, and it's it's like it's like a floor show in the Olympic gymnastic sense. Is Gabby Logan? <laughs> so the um, her again. Spurs oh, match. Yes. Any particular? Any personal recollections? Because I've got one. Did you skate your daughter again with the uh, with the winner? No, I didn't actually. I, the story goes that because I was working on Saturday afternoon, and then I finished at six. So I, I hot-footed it from work straight down to my mate's house. On the radio on the way to his house, I heard Beckford's chance when he intercepted that back pass. So when I got to his house, he rewound it back on Sky Plus, which meant we watched all the second half on about a, a minute, two minutes delay. And then obviously the penalty was given in real time, but it hadn't happened on the Sky Plus recording yet. But I started getting texts that were just a flurry of swear words. <laughs> and I thought, something's happened. What's happened? Something's happened here. What's going on? And just as I was reading the texts... The penalty was given, um, and James, my mate whose house I was at, refused to stop it. I said to him, just stop it, because then I know whether we've scored or not. And he said, no, no, you've got to watch it, you've got to watch it. And none of the texts gave it away, but it was the worst 90 seconds of my life. It was horrible. I know someone who had it um, unknowingly, was behind on um, on the Sky Plus once, and they were looking at online betting at the time as well, and they thought they'd seen... Um, <laughs> They thought they'd seen a mistake in the odds and put some money on, and, it, and then they played. And five seconds later, the team scored, and they, yeah, they bet they just pawned it. Looked quite so good. Oh well, at least it's not as bad as that. The thing is, I'd all but given up on um, after about seventy-five minutes because we spoke when we predicted very loosely what was going to happen in that game, and we said, didn't we, that we we fully expected them to be knocking it around after seventy minutes, three nil up or whatever. And when when they went two one up, I thought that's it. They might bag another and. And then we'll be done. But I'd, I'd all but given up, and I was, we were just planning our Saturday night out. And then all of a sudden, wallop another good pass into Beckford. And uh, I don't know what Dawson was thinking of, but I'm glad he was thinking it. <laughs> well, what the Swindon game kind of made everybody argue about is that we probably would have been mostly quite happy if it had finished 2 1 and it had been a great performance. And you just leave in a reasonable mood and not worry about the FA Cup anymore because when you're sitting here on, a, on an evening, the FA Cup's not really the priority. But then when you've got a last minute penalty at White Hart Lane and uh, Beckford is stepping up to take it um, I forgot about the league um, Johnston's paint was still in the back of my mind <laughs> I can never I can never really let it go at any moment of the day but it was all about at that point it was just equalising against Tottenham nothing else mattered 2-2 and then only later on was a little bit oh I hope we don't bugger up against Swindon <laughs> And of course we did. It was exactly like that in the ground. You could it, when they scored the second. There was a, a lot of, oh well, we'll concentrate on the league. And then, you know, minutes Long. later, you're picking bits of your shins off the seat in front, <laughs> and uh, it was all forgotten, really. But those, those are the moments you live for, aren't they? That's, yeah, that's exactly. why we love it, and that's what it is. What it is. Turning our attention to Swindon, uh, there's very little I've got to say about this, other than it was the dreadful performance we all anticipated it might be after uh, after such an exertion and he stuck with the same team did Grayson as well which might have been a mistake do we think I mean do we want to if we had to be really harsh critics no I think it probably is due some criticism for that because um, the players were did look tired and earlier in the season when when we've had games recovering and pinning runs he's, he's changed teams like against Oldham in the league he brought Prutton in and Gradle started and um, Ephraim played as well 
But I wonder if the, the inability to change might have been due to being stuck in London all weekend because we stayed and trained at Arsenal's ground and, and then come the weekend we'd signed McSheffrey and um, Lowry that you probably couldn't do if you sat in a, I don't know, I, I've got a vision of them in a B&B um, Highbury. I guess the training ground probably is in <laughs> North London. <laughs> so when he did get the opportunity to change it um, for Colchester, there were players came in. But even so, he's for the, for the Swindon game, he still had players who've been on the bench who could have come in. It's not not about not necessarily about signing new players, but, but just we got Gradle, didn't we? Exactly, just just players who've not not played in that first game because the Spurs game must have taken it out of them because we did we were chasing them about the pitch for the majority of it really. It's a weird aversion to Robinson. Yeah, like he's, he's come back as far as the bench, but I'm su- surprised he didn't leave actually. But um, maybe, I don't know. Maybe that could suggest we just couldn't get rid of him. Or his letter writing is not as good as. Well, this is true. Yeah, I will come on to that tearjerker. That's a, a very emotional point for this this very happy edition of the podcast. But we'll come on to that uh, in a moment. Um, and again, we'll, we'll have a quick skim over the, the first leg of the Carlisle game when we look at the second leg because it's just a depressing, awful mess. Is the JPT that we don't even want to talk about? Um, so, shall we wrap up white watching there and back in a moment with the talking points from the last fourteen days in part two? <laughs> Welcome back into part two of this very special happy edition of the Square Ball podcast. Uh, worth mentioning before we plough into part two, uh, where we look at the talking points from the last couple of weeks, uh, that there is a new edition of the magazine out now. Does somebody want to expand upon this and let the people know how good it is? It's very good. It's <laughs> oh, only a pound. It's an extra large edition as well, mainly due to uh, beating Man U when we didn't expect her so that it was pushed forward a week again so we've got more more match reports in there there's a Danny Mills interview Casper with tits which is a bit weird um, <laughs> but I think I think most people will like it <laughs> yeah you can get that um, get that on, on the streets uh, near Ellen Road on match days uh, still oh, a pound been... yeah Gabby Logan let's see your magazine yeah that's all I'm saying and you can get it online via the squareball.net same place for the forum and for this podcast into part two then um, so the talking points, I guess we should start with the transfer window because that's closed in the last 24, 48 hours as we record this. Um, ins and outs then, where do we want to start? McSheffrey? Good. Although I was a little bit unsure at the end of Saturday because um, there was a, a pillar in front of me all through the first half that was blocking out the left wing. So when I when I left, I was uh, I was comparing notes and I was a bit doubtful. Not sure he put in that great performance. Everyone else said he was brilliant. I don't. I wouldn't say he was brilliant, but for a first game, after someone who's not played very much, I thought he, was, he looked fairly sharp. A few wayward shots, but generally speaking, his his touch and everything looked cut above most, the majority of League One. I would say. I remember him from the Championship when we were up there, um, and I rated him probably as one of the best players in it at that stage. Um, so for him to end up in League One, I think is a astonishing signing really for us. I've got a slight impression that um, Beckford was maybe showing off to him because Beckford started playing noticeably better. I was wondering if it was just because, like, oh, we've got a Premiership player. And I, I, I hope he thinks I'm good. So he started actually <laughs> passing to him and running around and playing like a playing in a team, playing like a team player. Yeah, Bayford was excellent actually. To be fair to him, on uh, he, his general play was was very good, despite what people well, sat there you were saying. Well, there was a, a, a I won't say young lady near me because she revealed it was her birthday, and if she's listening, she'll hunt me down and kill me. But she did spend all the first half accusing Beckford of, I think, everything from... I think he killed the Pope once, World War One, World War II. Um, certainly everything McSheffrey did 
Um, I remember McSheffrey shooting wide and then just hearing from behind me, Beckford! <laughs> it's like, you don't know where to, where to go from there other than to, uh, well, she worked out where to go because after half an hour she went to the bar and, uh, and that was pretty much her game. Done and dusted, but can't reason with everybody. So coming in alongside uh, McSheffrey, we had Lowry uh, brought in, uh, left back from Aston Villa. Oddie, I'll come to you on this one. Nice to see another Premiership player coming down and uh, a Premiership prospect as well coming down and joining us in League One. It shows that Leeds have got some pulling power in uh, attracting some Premiership players. It looks very good. Uh, We've struggled at left back mainly because of Parker's injury. Is Hughes the answer as well? He's not, is he? I mean, God bless him. What is the question? If Andy Hughes is the answer. (laughs) (laughs) No, I like Andy Hughes. You can't not like him, but it made a difference to have a left-back playing at left-back. Yeah. I actually thought it looked a bit like a centre-back playing at left-back, to be honest. He does do both, doesn't he? I think, yeah, so, yeah. It, it, with him, because with Bromby on the right as well, we did basically have a back four completely of centre-backs. <laughs> but, they're, but they're quite a big side, so physically maybe it was a good match for them. There was a point Roy's sort of long ball. Well, yeah, hitting the, hitting the channels in the corners and stuff yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. So it was, it was maybe not a bad idea for uh, for this game. There was a point when Lowry was attacking down the left and I think he passed inside and then just sort of looked around and turned around and just ran back again didn't really seem to know what all that was about which Hughes I guess uh, probably do the same really but in a much more angry way yeah. <laughs> so joining McSheffrey and Lowry we've got uh, obviously Gradle coming in full time we kind of dealt with that last time out didn't we and uh, opinion differs as to whether we should have gone for him permanently or not I reckon at the at the price that we've probably got him for we'll never know because everything's always undisclosed with Leeds isn't it but um, he's worth a punt at his age and He's he's a talent at this level worth giving a go to. Buying him was the only way Leicester would let him have, let us have him. So if we want him, that's what we're going to have to we do. Him. So um, may as well keep him. And if he's no good, eh, we can get rid of him easily enough. So that deals with the incomings. Um, turning our attention to the outgoings again, we we paid tribute to uh, to Big Enoch, the human tripod last time out. Um, he's obviously gone to Falkirk. Bless him. Um, We've also seen uh, Huntington leave, probably the player with the most misspelled name in the history of Leeds United, Paul Huntington. It's P-A-U-L, for oh, future reference. Okay, <laughs> and it's a tough one. So what, what do we think of him? He's, he's on the fringes of it. I mean, with signing so many defenders of, of late, he's, it's an obvious thing to do, isn't it? At his age, let him go, get some games. I imagine he's probably a, a bit gutted because he's gone from sort of being a premiership player for... Four years ago, he's now he's going to be in League Two next year, going to Stockport. So, for him personally, I don't know. I don't know where this leaves his career really, because he's never put together a decent run of games for anyone. Dropping down the leagues every year, and uh, I think he's undoubtedly the right decision to get rid of him. I think Stockport as well, because they're so broke. They're probably going to be paying him in magic beans. <laughs> <laughs> he just paid the price of being injured when we changed managers. I don't think Grace never saw him play before he signed. That may, that may have aided him to be fair because he was generally <laughs> fairly poor <laughs> so his reputation around Elland Road may have been fine but then um, I guess his loan appearances said Grayson no yeah he, he did have a few shockers on loan I saw highlights of a few games and he was normally the one trying to head it back to the keeper and leaving it short And if you're an, if you're an optimist you might say he could battle his way back from Stockport to the Premier League but then I suppose Michael Dubry had probably had the same idea when he signed for Wickham <laughs> <laughs> that's not really worked out Dealing with Hunty, um, <laughs> as we all know, as we, <laughs> as we all, as we all know him. Loved. Little Hunty, well, he's a handsome young man, isn't he? And he, I think he's um, <laughs> his poster will be missed on the walls of a, a few uh, lead supporting girls. But um, mine's uh, not coming down. Mine's, <laughs> I don't care if he's left. I don't care where he plays. <laughs> and that's to compliment your Hunty bed sheets as well. Um, what about his uh, probably best remembered for his celebration against Carlisle more than anything? 
Yeah, it was strange because he always seemed really timid on the pitch, I thought, um, like a bit unsure of himself. And then he went a little bit mental that day. It's like, it was a bit like the Maradona in the 94 World Cup when he... The beast unleashed. When he, he clearly had taken a bit of something and went went a bit mental. Um, I'd just like to state for legal purposes <laughs> that Paul Huntington hadn't and never has taken anything that is not the implication that we're making. Although perhaps he should. He might have been playing for Stockport if he did. So that's uh, Hunty Wunty has uh, made the exit from Ellen Road and joining him, a uh, bit of a cult figure, uh, Prutzy Wutzy. Uh, David Prutter, our Lord, uh, has obviously... Uh, departed permanently now to Colchester after the uh, the little arrangement with the loan and whatnot. Um, and if you haven't seen his little goodbye letter, it's, it's probably worth uh, reading out. It's quite a touching little number. Dear all, it's been one of the privileges of my life so far to have played for such a world-renowned, highly respected football club. The friendships I have made, the memories I hold dear, and the sheer pleasure of being a Leeds player will stay with me for a long time. Leeds United gets under your skin, as I'm sure all you avid fans know, in brackets, uh, and there will be a part of me that will always be Leeds. I'm proud to have played a part in bridging that gap between an uncertain past and a no-doubt glorious future. Leeds fans are loud, loyal and passionate. Make no mistake, you are the lifeblood of the club and forever will be. You were always fantastic to me and I hold that in my heart as I move on. Thanks for everything. David Prutton, a.k.a. Prutz, a.k.a. Jesus. I want that man's babies. It's quite a suicide note. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to Colchester. <laughs> he's, he's now got to grace the turf at the Western Gnomes community. Oh, horrible, flat pack. horrible stadium as well. I feel quite sorry for him, really. He's, he's always come across as a very decent bloke. We're not really in the same position as we were when he signed, when we were kind of scratching around for players. And he's dropped probably back far enough that um, I think it's a justified decision to let him go. He's not going to get back in the England reckoning at this stage. You don't think? That dream may have died. I, well, I'm still holding out for my World Cup call-up now after Terry's uh, oh, oh, alleged indiscretion. <laughs> I've written him a postcard. Dear David, what happened to your talent? Thanks, <laughs> Moscow. Because he was, he was brilliant. He was a premiership prospect at Nottingham and at Southampton. It's like we were talking about with uh, Hunty trying to resurrect his career and work his way back up. He was hoping to resurrect his career at Leeds, but I guess he just stayed in the cave with nobody to roll the rock away. And um, and now he's at Colchester, which is a Roman town. So maybe they'll <laughs> <laughs> maybe they'll finish what started <laughs> and uh, actually crucify him. <laughs> he doesn't deserve that. He's had his hair cut. He's, he's he's more like Samson, isn't he? Now he's had his hair cut, lost all his powers. I well, should be yeah. a little bit sorry for Colchester fans who will have to read that letter and just probably just <laughs> yeah. think a bit like. The, the new girlfriend, the sort of dumpy new girlfriend of someone who, who's written a big love poem to their ex-girlfriend who's a stunner. Might run out for his first home match just with a chorus of booze. You might have a rethink about this. Uh, I'm wondering if it's going to start a trend. So you're assuming that most footballers can actually write? Well, I'd, I think, yeah, it's a good point. I think Prutton did write that one, but I think you'd be able to tell if... I'm trying to think of a thick footballer, but there's so many to choose from. <laughs> Woodgate sent me some lovely, lovely drawings in wax crayon. <laughs> <don't you? laughs> um, how's about this for a link? You'll like this. Um, from players giving fond farewells to players who departed under a huge storm cloud, uh, one Harry Kewell, um, fresh off the press, this one, is his agent, that complete tool, Bernie Mandich, moaning about the physios in this country, uh, basically hindering his career. Nothing to do with being a complete crock then, I presume. I think a bit of karma. He needs to have a look at, in fact, for uh, for Kewell. I guess he's got what he deserved, apart from all the money, clearly. <laughs> and the Champions League winning medal, he didn't deserve that. But, you know. Is he still with Cherie? Doesn't, he is indeed. I doesn't think. deserve Cherie. He rates a, a Gabby, no better. 
for Harry Kewell, I wish nothing but misery and bad luck. I, I, he's one of the few people, along with Roy Keane, who's obviously finished now, that I want him to have a career-ending injury, mm. and I want his insurance to have lapsed a few days before in the post. And he's got nothing. He's got to live like the rest of us. That's what I hope. I, I vaguely hope that maybe one day one of his injuries just prevents him getting out of the way of that bus in time. <laughs> but you're driving. <laughs> in his younger days, he might have dodged it, but not now, Harry. Just have visions of you, Michael, in a, in a big red bus singing "Summer Holiday," chasing <laughs> you down the street. That'd be brilliant. A tunnel all the better, somewhere he can't he can't avoid. <laughs> So from uh, beautiful memories of uh, of the past in Harry Kewell, um, some other stuff that's come up in the last couple of weeks. Uh, interesting quote that I mentioned and expanded upon in the Square Ball magazine this time. Uh, Ken Bates's quote in the London Evening Standard. The quote says, you have to remember I've been doing this for 40 years, he said. In my view, a football club is a property business that hosts a football match 25 days a year and is shut for the other 340 days. What's wrong with that sentence? Ken Bates is saying, well, he says... He's been doing this for 40 years, well, so we're including Oldham. I don't see many leisure facilities surrounding Boundary Park or a particularly profitable team. Chelsea, OK, there's a lot of hotels there and it probably does do a, a healthy turnover, but then it's in the middle of the West End of London. If you opened a hotel and nobody stayed in it in the West End of London, you'd have a problem, and then the big issue there is that you, you have crammed in your football ground so that it can't move and you can't increase the capacity. And what he's forgotten there is that a football club sells tickets to fans, and that's what generates the income, If it, even if it is only 20 times a year. Um, that's what it does. That is the, the function of a football club. And I just, yeah, hope he, he leaves Leeds in, in whatever mode of transport before he has the chance to, to really carry out whatever it is he's got planned. The East Stand thing doesn't worry me too much. But again, why build it on the stand? There's all this room around Elland Rose. That just building it on the back of the stand, it's like you, he doesn't seem to have realised where he went wrong. And on the other side, the, the parallel that I draw in the uh, in the magazine, in the article, is look at Arsenal who turn over in excess of £3 million a match and they don't have yeah. a holiday end strapped to the side of the Emirates, do they? Likewise, Old Trafford manages to function without a you know, travel lodge in the... <laughs> Taking up space behind it. Do you have to pay to get in the museum? That how is any of us going to know if you have to get in the pay to get in the school museum? I presume you do, but again, that's just a football-related offshoot. It's not a nightclub underneath a, a football stadium. A nightclub in Beeston just sounds like a recipe for shootings. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think there's some lovely people live in in that part of town. Don't know why you'd have that opinion, Michael. <laughs> yes, if you are a, a Beeston dweller and you'd like to. Uh... Get in touch with Michael to respond to that comment. Podcast at thesquareball.net. One other bit of Leeds United-related news is there is a Facebook campaign to get marching on together, or Leeds, 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 to give it its proper title, back to uh, to number one if we get promoted this year. So quite happy to lend our, our support to that, assuming we do get promoted, which is obviously the priority uh, in that respect. Has anyone specified whether it's the 12-inch remix from 92 that we're backing, or oh. is it the original version? I presume it's the original version. I'd like to see blue, yellow and white. A football, a football in the Yorkshire Rose, so that one should be uh, heard by everyone. And the Tony Eboa thing should definitely be brought back mm. as well. That was a particularly good piece of music. And lastly, got to give a quick mention to our friend Publicity Pete, Peter Ridsdale, in this happy edition of the podcast. He's doing great things for Leeds United in the fact that he's trying to wreck Cardiff. It's just amusing to watch him squirm, um, especially when it's not really affecting anybody that I care about or I'm close to. Like Leeds, it's probably <coughs> definitely not his fault. 
Oh, no, it's not. It's, well, Definitely. he started it the other week when he started complaining that all oh, this was an anti-English campaign, that the, only, the Cardiff fans only dislike him because no. he's English. Isn't <laughs> it might be no. because he's bankrupted him. That yeah. might be. That might have got three million pounds of their money under false pretenses, allegedly false pretenses. I'm, so, I'm sure the small print was clear and present. But, uh, yeah, that was just a desperate, preemptive attempt at saving his fat face. Have you noticed how he's getting wider? He's wearing <laughs> I saw him... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. On the Football League show, and he was wearing a big coat that he hadn't put his arms in the sleeves. And he, a poncho. Well, it was... It a wasn't. Tent. It was like a big black <laughs> Mac, and he... he he looks a little bit like, I guess, Alexander O'Neill. <laughs> but, but Alexander O'Neill now, as opposed to Alexander O'Neill in the 80s. And, this uh, is like a coat hanger in the coat. Yeah, it was that kind of impression where he, he, he almost seemed like a, a raven that had just swooped down. He said, <laughs> There's no way that this is a trustworthy man. He looks like a Shakespearean anti-hero. So we're going to say, um, Agent Ridsdale, congratulations on your work. Where are we going to send him next? Uh, We've seen the Glazers are taking care of Man United and the uh, the Americans Liverpool, so I don't know. Newcastle. Yeah. Done. yeah well, that's, that's underway, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, well done, Pete. Keep up the good work. If you'd like to respond to that or any points that we make here on the podcast, get in touch with us via email, podcast at thesquareball.net. Uh, on to part three right now, which is our feature section. Back in a moment. Part three of the Squareball podcast. Now our feature section. 
Uh, and in this happy edition of the Square Ball podcast, we are going to discuss the points of when Leeds United have made us happy so we can all have a nice little group hug and talk about the happy moments in our supporting lives. So few and far between. And I will turn first to you, Oddie. I've gone for a different angle. Uh, not so much a particular game, more of a period. It's the uh, the build-up to Wembley for the playoff final, bizarrely. Just the, the build-up, the excitement, going down there for... I personally went for a long weekend. Uh, what, what, what you're trying to say is the drinking, aren't you? Basically, yeah. yeah. Um, away days are always different to home games because you've got that camaraderie of two, three, four thousand Leeds fans all together. Um, but seeing 50,000 plus down there and on the Saturday night and all through Sunday, um, everywhere being awash with yellow, white, and blue. Leeds fans singing on every street corner, it seemed, and Leicester, Leicester Square being. Just full of Leeds fans. It just made you feel proud to be a Leeds fan. Just spoiled by 90 minutes of football. Yeah, it's on always the Sunday. football that ruins it, isn't it? Um, but still, just it's more of a, a time to build up the excitement and just all being together en masse. Just made me feel proud. We won't go too much into this because obviously this is the happy. Oh yeah, this sorry. is the happy <laughs> podcast. But yeah, we, we do. Yeah, so let's concentrate on the good I just times. Try to put a spin on. Yeah, the good a, times. A bad, Go on then, Moscow. Moscow, you throw us uh, throw us your happy memory. Well, mine's kind of a, a good opposite to that because mine has um, nothing to do with being around any other Leeds United sports whatsoever. Because I was thinking of some of the like last minute winners and and those big moments that are just like they're not they're not they're not really happy. They're just like punches in the gut that wake you up after um, a football match. But the time I can remember being happy supporting Leeds was 1999 in August when I'd actually gone to Newquay for the solar eclipse and uh, and that was on the Wednesday and it was just after we'd sold Hasselbank and because I was away from home I didn't really know what was going on but that night after after enjoying what was a, a lovely eclipse which was very spooky out on the beach at uh, Newquay and we saw Michael Burke through his studio window as well so all that was going on and then Leeds played Southampton away that night and because uh, I was just I was just out drinking. I didn't really um, pay much attention to it until the next morning when I woke up at the campsite and found a newspaper. And on the front is all the stuff about the eclipse. And we're all looking, oh, yeah, there's where we were yesterday. And um, that's pretty much what it was like. And going through that again, turned it over. And um, and what had happened was we had signed Darren Huckabee for £4.5 million. And Michael Bridges, our £5 million signing, um, had scored a hat-trick at um, Southampton and there was a photograph of him with the match ball wearing, I think, the first time we'd seen in anger, the Lazio kit. And I sat back in my beach chair and I was reading all this and I thought two things. I thought, fuck you, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, this is really good. It was in glorious sunshine. And although I was miles away from the game and wasn't really involved in uh, in the performance in any way as much as you're ever involved in a performance. Um, it just, it was a good feeling that I've not forgotten, even though it's 10 years ago. And it was kind of the start of all the uh, O'Leary stuff. We just signed Dubry as well, which was maybe, um, I don't think even then I regarded that as a as a particularly a cause of pleasure. It was just a good result, sunshine and... Drink. And drink. <laughs> I'm seeing a theme running through these now. <laughs> There was the, yeah, the drinks had been taken the night before, and I don't think it was long before I uh, I cracked a can in honour of reading about that result. And what about you then, Michael? Tell us about your special memory. Um, I'm sticking with Southampton actually. The um, the four three we had down there, 
And it was the game that Bates was that was at and then left at half time apparently um, at three 0 down, as I think some other people did because I, I remember being downstairs at half time getting a pie and stuff and the people were going oh I'm not watching any more of this shit I'm, I'm going to the pub and stuff and even in the second half we came out and we played like that in the first half for the first half an hour of it um, and then some miracle just seems to happen in the last 20 maybe minutes. a solar eclipse <laughs> we say we'd not been playing well it wasn't like we came out and had started to, to turn the game we scored a goal out of nothing really and then for the last 20 minutes everything we hit just flew in the net and the celebrations kind of built with each one as, as people got to grips with it they might actually start to mean something in these goals it's well worth watching that on YouTube as well when you see that fourth one go in I've never seen a mental like it apart from Carlisle away that was good I was at that that's one of mine I would say before the disaster against Doncaster I was up there at Carlisle and that was I nearly lost a lung I think in that celebration it was absolutely mental the yeah. guy next to me had glasses on and he lost them and, and, and a leg I think as well that was going to be mine, actually, was the, the Carlisle one. I'd, I'd thought about that because that was another one where there was sort of grown men crying whilst being thrown around a terrace. It was just brilliant. Was I, the... I would also say as well, I thought about the uh, going back to 4-3s, the Derby 4-3 at home mm-hmm. uh, when, when we had Hasselbank. Yeah. And from, from a position of 3-0 down, I know we got a penalty and we started pulling it round before half-time, didn't we? So we had plenty of time to do it. But that when Bowie scored, I remember just going completely mental. That's another case of the last-minute goal being such a... A wonder because we've had a couple of scenes with Tottenham, obviously, and then uh, I really I considered including the Norwich game this season in my happiest moments because Beckford's winner at the end of that just felt like um, yeah we're going to win the league and that was all summed up in just one moment at the end of the game and Bowyer's goal against Milan as well yeah. in, the, in the rain at Elland Road was just a um, I was in I was in that weird bit of the uh, North West Stand where you're, you're kind of leaning on the emergency tunnel and just looking up the goal line. So I saw Dida catch it and I thought, ah, oh, well, nil-nil. And then suddenly it was just the ball was in the net and I didn't really, it was only when I got home and actually watched it that I knew what he'd done, but that didn't stop me from just jumping around like a, a lunatic. I considered the uh, the Milan game as well. I've, I've, I was close to putting that one down. But I've chosen another, well, I say Champions League game. It's before the Champions League existed, I think. Um, Stuttgart replay at the New Camp um, in 1992. A very just a bizarre set of circumstances that was when shut one two it was Strachan Dini and this little football rattling round in a massively empty stadium with a few thousand fans in it and that was a good mental but I was watching that at home with my mum and dad and uh, that was a good one but the one I've settled on just goes a little bit earlier than that and it's Sheffield United away in 92 when we won 3-2 and the, the Brian Gale on goal and it was I was at the very front of the terrace against the fence um, sat on the barriers and it was uh it was just a feverish mental day. It was just a crazy day that, and when that when that winner went in and and full time came around, and that's the only time I think I've ever thought Leeds were properly invincible, and we were we were nailed on to do it. Then no matter what happened at, at Liverpool Man United straight afterwards that afternoon, um, we we were nailed on to win it, and and that's never been recreated. That feeling of invincibility. Um, I was good. I also gave um, thought to mentioning Arsenal the three-two away when we stayed up, which has been somewhat tarnished, I guess, by the fact that we went down afterwards. But uh, the season afterwards, it's like all of the good moments. Yeah, it's there's like always the- <coughs> there's yeah. always a, a cloud for every silver lining, isn't there? It's like the Preston playoff game as well. You could have had that one, but then we know what happened against Watford. Yeah. Let's remember. Let's let's stay happy. Sorry, let's stay happy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that three-two. I watched it on my own in in the living room at, at my rented house. I made all my housemates go out because I couldn't face being around anybody and getting relegated. And we didn't. We stayed up. And um, I have to confess, there, I actually shed a little bit of a tear when we stayed up that time. And 
had a little a little weep to myself. A happy weep. Um, Need to also give a mention to the the Manu game just yeah, passed. Cause, yeah, of course. Yeah, we oh, yeah. <laughs> what happened there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, first time in my lifetime we've won there. So pray to God it won't be that long again or I'll be a, a proper old man by then, <laughs> which will be a bit upsetting. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just something, something never seen before. I never thought I would see it this time, certainly. And just a euphoric last five minutes, really, as it, as it crept nearer, thinking, Christ, this, we might actually hold on here. I almost had that feeling against Barcelona at Elland Road, but then the bloody scored. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually really enjoyed the um, the stress of that game. Yeah. It wasn't, I wouldn't say it made me happy, but I can... Um, it's funny, I'm actually on the uh, the ITV footage of it, which I don't have a copy of. Perhaps I should get one, but it's it cuts to me at about 83 minutes with all the colour drained out of my face and just looking absolutely as if I'm under extreme pressure. And then I, I can't really... I, I was staying at a friend's house in Leeds after that and none of them liked football. And when I got home, I just couldn't describe what had happened. This isn't cheerful, though. We should probably save it for your lowest points. <laughs> at least save the part where I was too, uh, too overcome with grief to speak. <laughs> my happiest moment as a Leeds United supporter was when I was... I was too depressed to even look at my friends after we drew with Barcelona. On which joyous note, we will uh, we'll wrap up this part three of the Square Ball podcast and we will have a look at what's coming up in the next fortnight in part four. Welcome back. Fourth and final part of the Square Ball podcast. Uh, a look at what's coming up in this uh, this next couple of weeks. If you haven't had a fill of joy already, we've got a little bit more for you. Uh, and just to let you know that the next podcast is going to be out on Tuesday the 16th of February, same day as the uh, as the Walsall home game. Uh, and the games coming up before the next podcast, uh, as this one comes out, Spurs at home, the FA Cup fourth round replay, followed by Hartlepool away on Saturday, um, and then a week on Tuesday, Glamatai at Carlisle away in the final of the JPT second leg, followed by Leighton Orient away or Bolton away in the FA Cup fifth round after we spank Spurs. Um, just before we do go any further, it's probably worth mentioning that Tim on the Facebook page said we shouldn't do predictions because we got them all dreadfully wrong um, last time out. Although we did predict a comfortable win against Colchester, but the rest of it we got pretty wrong. I predicted 3-0 at Swindon. You did? It was the wrong yeah. way around. Yeah. I don't think any of us really disagree with Tim's point of view. No. 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 So Tim, this one's on you then. No 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 cast iron predictions or no compulsory predictions anyway. Uh didn't you just say we'd spank Spurs? Oh yeah. <laughs> That's where we might as well start then. Spurs at home. Uh Tuesday the second of February, um Spurs couldn't sell all the tickets. So they sent some back. What a massive club they are. Um, what what are we all feeling about this? I personally, I think this is a, w- a win win game for us because if we win, we're through. If we go out, we seem to have steadied the ship. And being happy as we are today in this podcast, I think we should just look on the positive. If we go out, we're going to go out fighting. If we go through, we carry on. I think one way to guarantee it's a, a game to remember is for everybody that attends to buy a copy of the square ball on the way in, um, and then the result won't matter. It may be cheesy, but it's the way I feel. I think the only the only downside could possibly happen is if we we do get badly beaten. But with this being a happy edition, I can't possibly speculate <laughs> that might happen, even though I do fear it. Um, but I feared it in the away leg as well, and um, we rode a look at times. But yeah, we, we pulled it around. Don't you think though, in in the squad being trimmed down as it has been, and with the couple of players we've brought in, I've kind of got a renewed optimism in the whole thing. It feels like we've 
moved forward a little bit and we'll, we'll be able to deal with the defeat better than, than we might have done a couple of weeks back. I think so. I, I mean, I guess we're all just a bit more world-weary after the Swindon game, which was everything we were worried about, about the FA Cup, then did come to pass in one of the worst results we've had for, for months and months. So I think everybody's a bit more wary than they were before the first leg, but sod it, we'll win. I think the thing this time is that from the players' point of view, they, they may be looking at it and thinking, it's only Bolton. Do we want to go to Bolton? <laughs> we go we got to shit grounds every every day of the week. <laughs> they might, you never know, look at it from the other perspective of the fact that it's going to be a sell-out home crowd at least at Elland Road, and you'd hope they'd have a little bit of... Well, I'm sure they've got enough professional pride to think that makes a difference. It certainly made a difference against Liverpool. And um, instead, after two FA Cup matches in um, near silence at Old Trafford and White Hart Lane, it would be good to have a full supportive ground. Unless we go a goal down and everybody folds around <laughs> and starts booing. Just one thing I've got to mention about Spurs um, is I've developed a real irrational hatred of Harry Redknapp this last couple of weeks. And uh, it's hard to put into words exactly why. I've, obviously, this is why it's irrational. But it, it just... I've started to think of him as a saggy-faced idiot and it, it annoys me because he's a media darling and I think he's starting to play up to it. He's starting to believe that he's, uh, that he's a media darling and he... It's like, if a, imagine if a Leeds United manager was being investigated for tax evasion. They'd be all over the back pages in a negative sense, and yet he just seems to get so much press, love and attention that's completely unwarranted. I think the Lord Leeds don't have any people associated with us who would try and evade tax. And another point um, on Redknapp is his annoyingly good-looking son and his annoyingly good-looking wife. And I used to have a real thing, and I mean, bordering on possibly slightly dangerous obsession with Louise uh, nerding as she was when I was a teenager. Um, and Fortunately, that was Louise and not Jamie. Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but he got in there, didn't he, and another, married her. Another dangerous transferred. <laughs> <laughs> and they're probably producing very beautiful children. But a, a note of caution, I would say as well, is that remember, Jamie, look at your dad and his melting head. <laughs> and that's what's going to happen. <laughs> he, he does look sort of... Like Jamie, <laughs> Harry Redknapp does look kind of like one of the uh, the candles you get in the, the middle of a, a restaurant table with the uh, the wax all melting down a wine bottle at the end of the night. <laughs> Anybody else share my hatred of Redknapp or? Oh, completely. The man. Yeah. Andy yeah. was in charge of that game when we beat Southampton, so <laughs> stick that in your melting face, Redknapp. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, I mean, we don't have to do predictions because we've, we've ruled them out, but, I mean, it, I get, it is hard to call, isn't it? It, it doesn't really matter either way. I think we'll, we'll come out of it looking good one way or another. Let's unless just hope football mullet. is a winner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lied. Let's just hope that the romance of the cup perpetuates and that's the all-important thing, isn't it, ITV? Well, it is ITV1's big big Wednesday night. They've moved it from Tuesday to Wednesday. What's they shifted? I don't watch telly anymore. What was supposed to be on? Emmerdale, I don't know. Has Emmerdale moved? Has Corey moved? Something's had to move. Maybe it was a bill special, but they're, they're putting all their money on Leeds. Uh, they, that... they love us because we're going to be on if we play Bolton, aren't we? They've already mm. announced this. And that's going to be a desperate game. <laughs> <laughs> They've made a real error already. That's got to be some sort of record being broadcast live in one form or another. Every single match we've been in the FA Cup this year. Yep, all the way to Wembley. Why not? We're, we're in a cheerful mood. Yeah. We're going to win the FA Cup. But Bolton is going to be a desperate... Oh. It's, it's Valentine's Day, but I don't think there's going to be a lot of love at that game, is there? And you can, you can just see it. We'll, we'll gloriously beat Spurs uh, and then we'll lose to a goal off Kevin Davis's massive arse or something, won't we? And it'll be a horrible 1-0 defeat. 
And the Bolton fans won't turn up either because they get poor attendance as it is. And when season ticket holders aren't getting freebies, there'll be there'll be about eight thousand Bolton fans there, and it'll be because they'll stay at home to watch it on telly. They hate winning. That was their big complaint about the UEFA Cup. They had to get out of it because they just hate winning, and so they won't go because there might be a risk of that they might win. Um, so that's the cup ties and the, well, the potential Bolton tie. Um, Again, do we fear after Spurs, regardless of whether we win or lose, do we, are we worried about a, a trip to a cold, blustery Victoria Park up on the coast at Hartlepool in front of a handful of fans after a, after a massive Tuesday at Ellen Road? Obviously, it's been the happy podcast. We would never uh, predict uh, a negative reaction, but we have to consider it. I think if they did it again, Grayson and or Glyn Snowden would kill them all. The one good thing that may come out of the Swindon game is that afterwards you get the impression that Grayson... Snowden and others will have <laughs> told them that this doesn't happen again. Like if they're going to play in the FA Cup and then play like that, then there's no point in uh, proceeding through the rest of the season. And I, and I just have a feeling it won't happen again. I think we could go uh, a McSheffrey-inspired win because he's going to be able to freshen up, isn't he, by bringing in the players who've come in who've uh, who's going to have to sit the cup game out. Yeah, and they won't want to upset McSheffrey. That might be part of the team talk. Don't upset the new guy. <laughs> And Hartlepool are not a very good side either, which is another plus point, really. Yeah, Swindon... n- neither were Exeter or neither were Wickham. <laughs> Exeter, fair enough, but Swindon do have a very good home record. They're on a good run of form. Hartlepool are crap, really. They've not won. This is building up again for a, a you, spanky. Up. But they've not won. They've not won since second of January. I was looking up uh, the the stats on it. Um, good stats. We normally do fairly well there. I've seen David Livermore play for Leeds at Hartlepool. In a, That's in a, a collector's pre- item, isn't in it? In a pre-season friendly, so that was a that was a joy. Um, but now I'm feeling relatively confident. I think we've got reason to, um, as long as we don't repeat the, the the cup, the trough after the cup game. I think uh, Grayson's shown that he's prepared to sh- just shake it up, although he can't bring any more loan signings in. Oh, he's got a week <laughs> after next week. So. You can, oh, after next week, yeah. And also in this sequence of fixtures, we've got the uh, the Carlisle away game in the JPT Northern Area Final. Again, putting a positive spin on this this happy time of ours in the podcast, I think this is a win-win situation, even if we lose, because it means we can forget this god-awful competition and hopefully never, ever, ever have to play in it again after this game. If we win, great, day out at Wembley, whatever happens, happens, doesn't it? The worst thing is if we won it and then they changed the rules saying you've got to uh, you've got to defend you've it. got to try and defend your trophy <laughs> and we were dragged back into it again for next year. Because I've you know I've got a, a gut feeling again being very happy about this that we're going to go up there and maybe spank them three or four nil and I don't want to put my balls on the line in that sense again but um, I do I, I fancy us going up there and turning him over. We could have won in the home game. To be fair, they were although we were defensively bad, we created a lot of chances. Uh, Beck, Becky oh, had one in the last minute. Beckford had three or four in the first half that he uh, he didn't put away. So if we, if, it, if it's anything like the first leg, I would back us to to get the goals again. And I'd do it as well because I went up uh, to a couple of games. I went to the the playoff one, and the other time when we lost for the first time that season, and they hate us, don't they? The old six fingered inbreds. They really, <laughs> really hate us. <laughs> Like, quite a lot. I mean, I know we're not a very well-liked team, but I'd love to just shove it back up them again. That'd be fun, I think. I think if it would be helpful as well if uh, Kavanagh could perhaps go for a walk with Harry Kewell when Mike's out in his bus, <laughs> <laughs> preferably before the game. And then and then that's that's at least 90% of the problem that they cause has just gone. He gets really quite slagged off by their fans as well on their forums and things I've had a look at. And uh, yeah, he's not, not a popular figure there at all, isn't Kavanagh? But against us, he always seems to do it. 
I mean, he's, Which he's, makes you think he's a spiteful man. His goal, <laughs> his goal in the first leg was a very spiteful finish. It was. I thought it was a volley born of spite and hate, and um, and that's generally what he always does. He's got to be bordering on middle age now, though, hasn't he? He's got to be. It looks like he was born grey. I, I, I can't ever remember him not being grey. Upcoming yeah, prospect, Graham Kavanagh. I think you maybe check your stats. John Joe Shelby is another one, actually. He's, he's That lad's fiddled his passport. There's no way he's meant to be, he's meant to be 18. <laughs> I did wonder what you were going to say there when you said... Uh, and also, potentially, in this run of fixtures, uh, Leighton Orient away if we don't get through in the FA Cup. Um, day out in London again. Again. Mm, lovely. No, <laughs> getting sick of these now. Getting herded through by the British Transport Police. Yeah, we, we managed to mess it up last year, though, when we were two up and then... Look to be cruising, and then um, they equalised with five minutes to go. I get like Hartlepool, really, a game we should be winning. They're quite low down in the league, not much on paper. So I'm, I'm gonna, even though we're not doing predictions, I shall predict a win. I've kind of realised that I'm putting all my stock in Gary McSheffrey being a really good player and lifting the rest of our season because I, I think we'll win based on him inspiring us to it. He might be just a spark. Yeah, I think I'm hoping McSheffrey will. Because he's that sort of player, he might do kind of what um, Freeman did when he came in that season, just provide a bit, of, a bit of class. A, yeah, a little bit of class, a, a bit of a calm head up front, because Becchio's kind of all action, Beckford's a finisher and not a great deal else. So he does provide us with a bit more guile, I suppose, um, going forward, which hopefully will just edge us over the line. Jeffrey's kind of hinted in a, an interview since um, Saturday that for the first 20 minutes he couldn't believe how bad it was that the standard was just really beneath him and he had to sort of change the way he was going to play. He, he should have asked us, we could have told him. Yeah, well, and so that's definitely something you can bring to us is is just raising the game above Division 3 standard because there's no doubt that you can get sucked down by these teams like Hartlepool and Leighton Orient into just playing their standard instead of your own. I think um, McSheffrey offers us a nice outlet link up between midfield and attacks often the, the two seem to be a bit far apart for Leeds don't we we don't seem to have that link up man it's stick it forward let you know uh, Beckford run after it or Becchio knock it down yeah, he and showed that on Saturday he, he did a one box to the other on his own and you know I don't think we've got that in the team he, there was there was times when he was just holding it and um, holding it long enough for people to actually think oh we, we could make a run and he might find us with a pass. That was one thing I noticed with um, with Freeman when he came in that he'd often just, he'd get he'd create space for himself just by stopping, which no one else in this league does. Everyone <laughs> just gets it, and they, they just see the goal and a bit like school kids. Run dead generally, fast! It's just kind of bombing towards it, whereas he just kind of pull back and hold it, and then he'd find himself in loads of space where he could then actually do something with it. And I think maybe that's something you, you don't really get in this league because it's not good enough, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> so we'll see what happens over the course of the next couple of weeks. Um, and we'll review it in the next podcast. Um, worth mentioning, you can get in touch with us via podcast at thesquareball.net for email. Look us up on Facebook and Twitter. And of course, you can find us in print. The brand new edition of the magazine went on sale on Saturday uh, versus Colchester, uh, containing the interview with Danny Mills, 10 best game of the noughties, as we mentioned last time out on the pod, Moscow, your review of 95-96 and the old uh, Wembley trip, and another good article on, on raising kids the Leeds way. Uh, one of our posters, Eric Oldthwaite, um, facing a dilemma, uh, raising kids as Chelsea or Leeds, and I was going to actually I was going to turn to you and ask you about this, Oddie, because um, aside from me, I think you're the only one with offspring in this room yes. that we know about. Um, how have you have you just indoctrinated yours, or pretty you much give, so, given yeah. them the choice? <laughs> I've got three girls as well, so I've no boys. So 
it's more of an uphill battle in a way. Uh, yes. But my eldest, Isabel, she's um, it, something about the age of 10. Uh, my eldest, too, when they reached 10, they both got into football for some reason at school, playing in a girls' team, and wanted to go to the game. So it cost me an absolute arm and a leg <laughs> to support that habit now. Uh, and my little one, who was five from the age of about six months, could spot a Leeds badge and do a little... Which is, just brings a tear to your eye. Being an old man, and you were the two then. Um, if you had kids in the future, what do you think? Is it is it fair to uh, inflict this upon them, or would you let them choose? No, you can't let them choose. It's a it's a father's right to uh, to inflict something like that upon upon kids. I think. Imagine if they came home one day and said, "Daddy, I've got something to tell you. Um, you don't know this about me, but I'm a Man United fan." <laughs> there are garden sheds. Um, they can be locked children can be put in them before you lock them and uh <laughs> sorry fritzel what are you getting yeah. at <laughs> it's the only solution i can think of you you, you presented to me a, an absolute ground zero of a moment in my life and <laughs> I, I responded with the only recourse i could think of which is to systematically dungeonize your children no which is to not have children <laughs> it's probably the safest way <laughs> Uh, all such highbrow stuff uh, you can find this all in the magazine and uh, you can buy subscriptions of the magazine get all the back issues uh, find the chat forum and link to the podcast as well on the website thesquareball.net and I think gentlemen we should probably wrap it up this time out not that I'm not happy to continue <laughs> <laughs> social service is on to you uh, thank you to Radio Air for the studio use uh, and goodbye <laughs> goodbye to you all in the studio Michael Normanton goodbye Paul O'Dowd goodbye and you, Joseph Fritzel. <laughs> He's left. <laughs> Sorry, Daniel Chapman, Moscow White. Goodbye. And we'll see you next time. The next podcast, don't forget, out Tuesday the 16th of February, the date of the Walsall match. And we'll see you then. Well, three of us will anyway. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 